Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer. Shame for his name, for Jesus' name. There it is. Suffering shame wrongfully. These men were being faithful. They were commanded by the angel to do this. And yet here they are in this pickle. And here they are being beaten. And yet they could say that witness inside of them, knowing that they were doing the right thing, they said they were rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer. That's very foreign to us. Welcome, everyone, to today's edition of Truth in Christ Radio. Today we learn that Peter's letter not only instructs us on how to submit to a higher authority, but that there will be suffering and grief involved for the name of Jesus. Several times we are told in the Bible that true followers of Jesus Christ suffered for his name's sake. However, we learn that those who did take on persecution did it with praise to God. In the book of James, he tells us to count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And now, if you have your Bible handy, please open it to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18, and let's follow along with Pastor Rob. Submissive to our masters, to the good and the gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable, if because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if, when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently, But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. You know, when we do things wrong, we deserve what we get, don't we? Even as a Christian, if we do something wrong and we're not doing what we're supposed to be and we receive some consequence and it's negative, sometimes we'll throw up a thing and say, well, I'm just being persecuted. No, you're just being an idiot. (laughs) Can I say that? Is it okay I say that? I'll say it for myself. I almost caught that word, but I decided to let it go anyway. So if it offended you, I apologize. But I can be that way. I can, I can be that way. I can wrongly understand what I'm going through and immediately think, oh, I'm just being persecuted. No, I'm just doing the wrong thing. I'm just not being a good example. But there is no praise or glory in that. And we will not receive any praise or thanks from, or special favor from the world because we are Christians. Jesus didn't get any special treatment from anyone, and neither will we. We ought rather to be surprised when we do any, when we receive any kindness or grace from the world. Isn't that true? Because the world hates us just as it hates our Savior, the Savior of the world. So don't think it's strange when you are going through difficult things and you struggle for righteousness. You struggle and are going through difficult things because you've done good. In John chapter 15, 
Didn't John say this to us? Or, or Jesus said this, actually, in John's Gospel. He said, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said unto you, A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So it ought not to surprise us when we go through difficulties, when we do good and we suffer for it. We're in good company. Nobody likes to suffer. Does anybody here like to suffer? Nobody would raise their hands, and neither would I. And we don't have to enjoy suffering. It's not like we're some kind of sick, you know, sick group of people. Nobody wants... Jesus, you know, he despised the shame and the suffering that he went through. But why was he suffering? For the sins of, of the world, for every human being. He saw the glory that was set before him and considered this nothing. He did it willingly, right? But suffering is something that we never want to do. In 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 12, Peter says this, and we're going to get to this chapter here in a few weeks. He said, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. He's talking to the same group of people. But rejoice to the extent that you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. There is something that we have to uh, understand more. And it's hard. There's no doubt it's hard. Have you ever suffered for righteousness and, and, and found yourself, rather than initially you were bummed out, but then later you had this peaceful feeling that you were doing the right thing? Because that witness of the Spirit of God in you when you've done the right thing and you suffer for it, you know in your heart there's a smile on your heart. Have you experienced that? Any persecution, it could be really light persecution. It doesn't matter what it is. But have you had the smile on your heart when you've been wrongfully treated because you are a Christian? I have. And yes, it hurts. And sometimes it comes from people and individuals that you would never have thought it would come through. And yet your heart is rejoicing inside because something inside you says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been doing the right thing. This is why. And by the way, you're in good company. You're in good company. Don't be discouraged. And that's why Peter would say to these, he says, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer. Here's the opposite side of the coin. Don't do anything bad. Hmm. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. For what credit, verse 20, is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. You know, we're just going to look at a couple of individuals because of time uh, that suffered wrongfully. And the first one we're going to look at is Joseph. If you remember, and we're not going to go here, but you can just write these two chapters down. But in Joseph, uh, in Genesis, I'm sorry, chapter 37, we know that God gave to Joseph some wonderful uh, words of knowledge and and, and showed him dreams of, of what was going to happen in the future. He told them to his brothers they hated him for it. And on top of that, he was daddy's favorite, and so that didn't help matters either. 
So finally, when he goes out to his brothers in the field, they, they hatch a plan. Let's get rid of this dreamer. Are we going to submit to you? Huh, far be it from us. You're the 11th son of Jacob. You're going down. <laughs> You're not the firstborn. You're the 11th. And we're going to throw you into a pit. And they did. And you remember Reuben, the firstborn of Leah, had a different heart about him. And he says, you know what? Let's, let's make some money off this guy. <laughs> Just like a brother. Let's not kill him. We can, he's, he's worth something. So let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. And you know the story. He went down to Egypt and was sold to Potiphar's, uh, sold to Potiphar, and he served him in his house. And you remember in this uh, chapter 39 of Genesis, God began to prosper this young man, Joseph. He was a good-looking man. He had everything going for him. The Spirit of God upon him, he had the, the looks. Probably even had a really good voice, a commanding voice. You there, come hither. Had it all going for him. And what did Potiphar's wife, she looked upon him, she says, I've got to have this guy. Got to have him. Irresistible. Good-looking, great male voice. Had everything going. Spirit of God upon him, a purity. Doesn't the Bible say that the harlot lusts after the pure life? She went after him and wrong, wrongfully accused him. He ended up in jail, suffering wrongfully. Suffering wrongfully, Joseph was. But what about the apostles? We read just right after the, after the day of Pentecost. Remember in Acts chapter 5, the, um, the apostles were put into prison by the high priests and the Sadducees. And you remember that one night, and this is just right on the cusp of uh, Pentecost, and the angel of the Lord, remember, set them free from the jail at night, letting them out. And told them to go back into the temple. They went in there. They preached the gospel again. And then they were caught and they were strictly told not to preach in this name anymore. Not to preach in this name anymore. And the, the disciples said, we ought to obey God rather than men. And remember, they were furious at them. And they were threatening to kill them. And so in Acts chapter 5, Gamaliel, who was actually Paul's protege, or his master, Paul the Apostle, this Gamaliel, who you're going to hear from here in Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 33, he said this to the Sadducees and the chief priests. He says, When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. And then one of the councils stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in respect by all the people, commanded them to put the apostles aside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take heed to yourself what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, and he goes through a list of men who, who, who uh, rebelled against the Rome and against the Jews and, and thought themselves to be something and had a gathering, and, and, not, and it all came to nothing. And so finally, after saying that, they agreed with him, verse 40, and when they called for the apostles and they beat them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. And here it is, verse 41. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer. Shame for his name, for Jesus' name. There it is. Suffering shame wrongfully. These men were being faithful. They were commanded by the angel to do this, and yet here they are in this pickle and here they are being beaten, and yet they could say that witness inside of them, knowing that they were doing the right thing, they said they were rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer. That's very foreign to us, because very few of us had to, have had to suffer 
including myself. I haven't had to suffer to this extent. Maybe someday that those tides will change in our country. I don't know. I hope not. But if they do, it's going to be part and parcel for other parts of the world where Christian brothers and sisters are being suffering wrongfully. What about the Apostle Paul? You remember in Acts chapter 9 when he was taken down to the ground. What did Ananias, who, when, when Paul became blind and God told Ananias, go lay your hands on this man that he might receive his sight. And, and he said to Ananias, God speaking to him, he says, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. It wasn't like God was excited about, these are the things you're going to have to go through. No, it was um, Paul was going to, experience the joy of serving his creator. And he was going to recognize that God, even in spite of my trials, it is nothing. It is light in comparison to what you have done for me. You know, if it was just life for life, it would be one whole different thing. But we're not talking about life for life, are we? To give your life for someone else, when that's all it is, for you, that might not be enough, and, and rightfully so. But the life that Christ has is eternal. That's what he gives us. He's already given to us eternal life. So as a response to that, Paul said, I gladly lay down my life for you, Lord. And that ought to be our attitude as well. I give my life. Whatever way that has to be, whatever shape or form that comes in, Lord, I belong to you. I've been bought with a price. I'll no longer see hell ever because of what you've done. Folks, that's eternity. Get your head around eternity. Because 70 or 80 years, if we live that long on this earth, is nothing. It's a vapor. It'll be gone before you know it. And it seems like the older we get, the quicker it goes. Have you noticed that? (laughs) When I was 13, I felt like the days lasted forever. Now they're just flying by at light speed, and I'm just looking for that emergency (laughs) brake. Trying to pull the emergency brake and finding no brake. I can't even like Barney Rubble stick my foot through the floorboard of the car and slow it down. But in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul tells Timothy, he says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And then he would say in that same uh, group of scriptures in verse 14 of 2 Timothy chapter uh, 3, he says, But you must, Timothy, you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them from. See, Paul wasn't just telling him to do something. Paul says, follow my example. These are things that you've learned. We learn from the examples. Paul was a wonderful example, an imperfect example, because we are all imperfect, but there is one perfect example. We're going to get to him, and we know who that is. It's Jesus. But we should never sugarcoat the cost of discipleship. We like to do that in Christian circles because we want people to come to our church. We want people to come. We want to fill the room. But do we want to fill the room for the right reasons or for the wrong reasons? Wouldn't it be better for us to fill the room for the right reasons? To be honest with people, tell them the truth. Don't tell them that all their problems are going to be solved. Only if you come to Christ. How many altar calls have been done that, that way? Come to Christ and all your problems will go away. Your debts, ah, don't worry about that. That'll be paid off. God, you know, you give today. You give $1,000 today, God will wipe out that $10,000 credit card debt. Just like that. No. No, you're going to pay that back. (laughs) I did. (laughs) Before I came to Christ, I was a 
financial nightmare. Ask my wife. But God has done a work, and I've learned so much from her, the Holy Spirit in her and him. But Paul was a faithful example in Second Timothy, first chapter and verse 13. He says, again, to Timothy, hold fast the pattern of sound words, the example, right? Which you have heard of me in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Paul was a great example. In Second Thessalonians as well, in verse uh, chapter 3, beginning in verse 7, he says, For you, Thessalonians, you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. We've shown you the example. Paul says, I've worked with my own hands. As an apostle, I could have exacted money from you. I could have done all these shenanigans. I could have, you know, requested a payment for a prayer cloth that I wiped across my forehead. And I mailed it to you as a seed. And now you have to pay me. No, he's like, none of that nonsense. I work with my own hands for my own needs. And now I'm telling you the truth that will set you free. And I'm not exacting anything from you. That's the way we need to be. Supply for the parent, or, you know, um, supply for your kids. Isn't that what a parent is supposed to do? You're the one who holds in store for your parents. You save up. You deny yourself so that your kids can have a good life. You can set them in a good place. That's what Jesus did. More than did. Paul went through a lot of suffering. We don't have time to go into all this, but we'll just look at one thing here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, look at the things that Paul had suffered. And, and this is just a, his own category, uh, his own list of things that he uh, went through. Because there were some who were boasting that they were something. And Paul says, you know what? I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He goes, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. We're in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 22. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep, floating around in the Mediterranean Sea. A bobber for sharks. Hmm. In perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides these other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for the church. You know, you think about the example of suffering that Paul endured. I would encourage you to write these scriptures down and check them out. It just further... Uh, brings clarity to these, this letter that we're in right now in this verse, in verse 20. I would certainly encourage you to do that. But what is the purpose, at least one of the purposes for this suffering when you do good things and you suffer wrongfully? What is the possible benefit of it? I can share with you one of them, and it's in Second Corinthians chapter 1. It's a verse we all know, a passage Paul said to them, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulation, in all of our suffering, that we may be able to comfort those in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You may have gone through something really horrible in your life, 
And you know, God loves to turn horrible situations into great trophies of his grace. Have you lost a son? How much more are you able now to communicate to someone else who's lost a son or a daughter when you yourself have done, that's happened to you, and and you were just wrenched with pain and agony? You can now comfort others with the comfort you've been comforted with by the body of Christ, and more importantly, Jesus himself. Have you gone through an abortion, and you see a young lady who's on the verge of doing the same thing? Can you tell her and say, honey, don't do it? It's more than just some physical thing inside of you. I, I felt um, n- had nightmares after the fact about this life, what could have been, what should have been, what might have been, and the anguish spiritually, mentally, emotionally I went through as a result of that choice. Don't do it. Put the child up for adoption if necessary, but give birth to that life that God has given. Comforting others with the comfort we are comforted in. Let's look at verse 21. It says, For, for, for this you were called. Suffering wrongfully. Paul says, For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. This word example, underline it in your Bible in verse 21 here because it only occurs once in the New Testament. Once. It occurs once. And it's in relationship to Jesus being our example. It's a word, hypogrammos, which literally means an underwriting, a copy, an imitation, an example. I like to think of it as a prototype. A prototype, an original or model after which anything is formed. The pattern of anything that is to be engraved, cast, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an example. It's a prototype. Jesus was and is the prototype of suffering for us. Verses 22 through 25, which we're going to look at now, are really pointing us. We're going to go to Isaiah 53 in a few moments, but these verses, 22 through 25, point us all the way back to the prophet Isaiah. A passage entitled, some have called the Holy of Holies of the Old Testament written some 700 years before Jesus was even manifested in the womb of Mary and brought forth. Of course, he always existed, right? We know that. Even before he was born, he always existed. But notice in verse 22, it says, He committed, Jesus committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his, in his mouth. In Second Corinthians, it says this, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus was without spot, without blemish. In verse 23, when, who, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. And what does it say in Luke chapter 23? He committed himself to his father. When he was hanging on the cross, he said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. The ultimate doulos, the ultimate bondservant, giving his life, wrongfully accused, and yet an example for us. Now, God doesn't expect you to do the dying. He did the dying. Now, we have to live, but we do have to deny ourselves, right? We deny those old things, that old nature. We deny those things. That's what we put to death. We don't have to die for him. In some, in some religions, you have to prove yourself. To your God. 
I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time when Pastor Rob continues our study in 1 Peter. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.